Hello and welcome to the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church podcast, where we're listening to some sermons here from our pastor, Philip Coons. This is a sermon entitled, Bless That Wonderful Name. It was preached on June 7th of 2020. We, of course, invite you to visit us here at 310 Randolph Road here in Kansas City, Missouri, just outside of Clay Como. Come on by and say hi. Services start at 11. We, of course, have Sunday school about 930 every Sunday. Once again, bless that wonderful name from June 7th. And here now is our pastor, Philip Coons. Turn to the book of Psalm. Psalms, as we read Psalm number one. We're not going to read every verse, just verses one through six. And if you could please turn to Psalm number one. One through six, and please stand on his reading after you find it. I'll give you a couple seconds. One, two, no. Psalm chapter one, verse one through six, as we stand on the reading, it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his, being the Lord Jesus, in his law, or the God, in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and brings forth its fruit in a season. Its leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congression of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. God bless and honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. Today, we see so many people that say, I am a Christian. Many people. Not as many as we used to, though. Not near as many. And we can see it all over the place, not just on the news or on uh, social media. Now, not all of you are in social media, and that's good, actually. Social media is full of a lot of folks. But I'm glad for social media for lots of reasons. One of them is so you get to stay in touch with family, and that's good. And also we get to talk with our people here. We get to share the word of God. That's good. I get to do that. Not all social media is bad, incidentally. However, I'll say this. What's not good is you can see a lot of people out there who are living ungodly, and that's sad. Very sad. But we can see a lot of people out there, people who aren't living for the Lord, and that's sad. We get to see what a lot of people do. And it's not just in social media. We just see a lot of families, friends, people out there. We see what those uh, people out there are doing. Actions and attitudes, opinions, beliefs, lifestyles, habits, very core values are changing all the time. We see it in films. We see it through music, through books, even other churches. We see it all the time. You say, oh, you mean people that aren't Christians? No, even Christians. Even people who, who claim to be Christian. I'm not saying they're not saved. By our actions, we're known. We say it all the time. The thing is, it's sad. It's very sad. It's sad to, people, to see people who aren't living biblically. Oh, because they got to be like you. No, they don't got to be like me. But we're to try to be like Christ. We know that. It's very sad. 
I, uh, I always find it very sad when people don't always show biblical truths. In fact, we see people who put up a lot of walls and say the Bible's not truth, the Bible's opinion. No, it's not. It's not. The Bible is the truth of the Lord God. I had someone even yesterday trying to say that this is not God's word. They take things in a literal way, so odd, and I won't go into all of it, except to say, they try to say it's not God's word, that Jesus is God's word. I said, Jesus is the Lord God. And how would you know about Jesus if it weren't for God's word? But, you know, the, the, the sad thing is, folks, is that people out there argue about left from right and right from wrong, and they just don't know. So today I want to imagine biblical bookends, which is why there's a Bible right in the middle of this right here, and there's two bookends. One of them is Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, and one has Mary holding Jesus when he died. Why do I have Julius Caesar? Because he represents the world, Julius Caesar. Represents the world. The ways of the world back then had many false gods, many of false gods. All from around the world came there. That's why I have him represented right there. The ways of the world and the ways of the Lord. Two completely different things. The ways of the world go opposite of the ways of God. It's the way it is. So the name of today's sermon is bookends. Bookends. Now, we could choose the obvious bookends. We could, if we're going to go with people we should follow. I could have the ways of the world and the ways of, of the Lord and have obvious bookends as a symbol. I could have Jesus and Satan. And I'm not talking about what you're seeing here, but I'm talking about what we're going to talk about as a, as a figure here, as an uh, you know, image to show you. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that today. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to have two human examples for you today to look at. And I'm talking about what we're going to talk about today. We're going to have two human examples, two women, in fact, two women that we're going to use as examples. We're going to have opposite ends of the biblical specter. One's going to be from the New Testament. One is going to be from the Old Testament. One that's good, one that's bad. One that's used of God and one that's used of the devil. One that loves God, one that hates God. One that is Mary, the mother. She's the good one, obviously. The one that's on the New Testament and one from the Old Testament, which hates the Lord God with all of her heart and soul. The one that's probably the worst woman that we can even possibly imagine. That's Jezebel. Jezebel, Jezebel. You know, I knew of a woman one time to say that she ever had a daughter. She's going to name her Jezebel. And I says, why don't you just kick her in the head before she even starts? I mean, good heavens, the Murgatroyd. She says, well, that or Delilah. I says, well, go ahead, keep kicking. Because, folks, if you have a secondary woman that's the worst in the Bible, think of Delilah. She was a prostitute. And by the way, Jezebel was too involved with all that kind of jazz. The fact of the matter is, is Jezebel is about the worst woman you could think of. Now, I know some modern women that come right next to, but I'm here to tell you, the spirit of Jezebel is all over the world right now, the spirit of Jezebel. Now, why am I picking those two bookend folks? Now, first of all, I'm choosing that because with those two women, that should represent people, not just women, okay? But if you need to have men for men in order to understand, which I don't know why they would, but we can say this, with Mary, you have Joseph, who was a good man used of God. And with Jezebel, you have that doorknob Ahab, and he was an evil man. So with Jezebel, this evil woman, you have an evil man, Ahab. With Mary, this wonderful woman, you have a wonderful man, Joseph, a wonderful man. So therefore, everybody can relate. But I'm not actually comparing you to Mary. I'm not actually comparing you to Jezebel. So please don't think I am. I don't want you to walk out here and say, oh, the pastor said I was beautiful, wonderful. 
in, as pure as Mary. It's not what I'm saying. I don't want you to walk out and say, did you hear that? The pastor compared me to Jezebel. Never said that. Please don't ever think I did or I ever would. Wouldn't do that. No, it's not what I'm doing. I'm using them as a measurement, a measurement in this world. They are the spectrum, okay? And here's the other thing. I'm saying that we have a spectrum right now, a spectrum, and that people are fitting somewhere in between. The fact of the matter is, is we're fitting somewhere in between, but we need to look at them as that measurement, so to speak, as a measurement and say that some people say, well, I may not be as good as Mary, but I'm sure not a Jezebel. That's not really how we should look at things, though. We shouldn't say that and say, I'm fitting because I'm not here or there. No, we should try to allow Christ to shine through us. That's how we should be, and we'll get to that in a moment. Except to say, uh, we are to look at how they are and do our best to let Jesus shine through. So let's take a look at both of them. Mary the mother. Mary the mother was pure. She had a pure heart. She was humble, loving, obedient to God. We know all this, so much so that God chose her. He chose her. Now I'm going to paraphrase a little, but it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, it says that she was chosen, and the angel Gabriel was sent from God, was sent from God to a virgin. We know she's a virgin, and this virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. So she's highly favored from God. Highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Man, how wonderful, how pure she must have been. How wonderful. Among all the women of the world, she was chosen of God. How wonderful. Of course, we'll talk about her closer to Christmas. But listen to this. When she saw him, when she saw him, she was troubled by his words and considered in her mind what kind of greetings that this might be. Now, I can only imagine. Now, please don't think that I'm trying to add words to her, okay? But can you imagine you being you, Mary being Mary, Mary probably thought, I'm not perfect. I'm surely not good enough for God to choose me. Why would he come to me? I can imagine she's human after all. People try to make her like she was a goddess. She wasn't. She was still human. In fact, I've said it many, many times before, she would stop anyone, I'm sure, from saying that she was anything more than what she was. But Mary, can you imagine how scared she must have been for this angel to come to her and pick you to be the mother of God's son? And this is what she says. She says, uh, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Ooh, wow, that's beautiful. And so he said, listen, you will conceive in your womb and bear the son and shall be, his name shall be Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him a throne of his father, David, and you'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will, there will be no end. So Mary uh, said, well, we know what she said. How can this be? I've not known a man. I'm a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come over you, and you're going to bear this son, and we know about all that. So Mary was chosen of God to have this child, but she did more than that. Many people think she just did that. She did more than that. She had the child, but she had more than just this child. She raised the child, and we got to see that many, many wonderful things happened. She said this, Mary said in Luke chapter 1, verse 48, she said uh, regarding, she said in, in 48, for he, talking about the Lord, has regarded the lowest state of his servant. Surely for, uh, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She knew she was blessed to, to bear this son. 
and many miraculous things God had happened uh, through the birth of Jesus Christ, she looked up upon it, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, and Mary kept all these things and pondered them upon her heart. She thought about these wonderful things. She pondered them and kept them in her heart like treasure. How she got to see the, the majestical things that God allowed to happen. But other things happened to Mary too. As an adult even, when Jesus walked around, people would say this to him. We see it in Luke eleven twenty-seven. People would speak these things, and the woman of the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, Blessed is the woman who gave birth and nursed you. So Mary was praised among all the people. And we even see that Mary was the one who brought the first miracle. That is not to say that she had the miracle happen, but she called to Jesus Christ when they were at a wedding, and she asked for the water to be turned into wine because these people had run out of wine. And so whenever this happened, we're not saying that she would just you know, snap her fingers and Jesus would do whatever his mama said, but he respected his mom. She did, however, say this. Uh, whenever the people went around Jesus, he, she said to him, do whatever he tells you to do. She respected his, his majesty. She respected everything he could do. And not just that, but whenever he was at the cross, she was there. Now, she wasn't there to see him die, we don't believe, because we saw that Jesus spoke to John and uh, said to take care of her. And she was no longer heard of at that cross by the ninth hour. But we do know this, that she was there. And whenever people uh, talk about her other sons and all, she would tell them to follow him and told other people to, to be there for him and follow him. She stole, told people, led them to follow Christ. We see this in Acts chapter 1, 14. When Jesus was about to be resurrected, she followed him and would lead her family to follow him as well. And her other children were there. So by her following Christ, she led other people to follow Jesus. This wonderful woman was a testimony for Christ. And I'm saying this to all women and men. We are to be a testimony, a testimony to others. Rather you believe yourself to be a little nothing or something. We're to be like this bookend for Christ. We see that. Where do you fit in with the bookends? Where do you fit in between them in the Bible? I don't know if you believe yourself to be like Mary, but you are to be on the side of the Christianity. Maybe you're like Mary. Maybe you're like one of the other Marys, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, we know, lived a rough life. But she changed. She changed. And she started doing wonderful things for the Lord. Maybe you're like someone else completely, but I do pray and hope you're not like Jezebel. Let's look at Jezebel. Jezebel was a vile, vicious, horrible woman. She was horrendous. She was vile, wicked thief. She was sensual. And I didn't say sin, even though that's true too. She was sensual, which is to say, in a lot of ways, she was believed to be a, a prostitute at some point. But she did a lot of sexual, horrible things. She was a Baal worshiper, false god worshiper. She was into sorcery, did was what was right in her own eyes. And uh, she did that, and she was even a murderer. She murdered people in order to take what they had. There's another reason, in other words, she was a thief. She would murder someone to take what they had and give it to someone else, give it to her husband. She took whatever she wanted. In fact, eventually, she was a murderer. She would go around and kill the prophet of God because she was a Baal worshiper. She did what she wanted, and she would kill those who didn't agree with her. That's what she would do. She saw the prophet of God said, I don't agree with you. If you don't agree with me, you're no good. I'm killing you. I'm getting rid of you. So she went around killing the prophets of God, and she did this and had them all murdered because that's what she wanted. She was trash. 
That's the best way I can say it. Well, Philip, that's kind of mean. That's also very honest. I believe in being blunt at times. I know you can use some di diplomacy. But folks, when you see trash and it's in the trash can, or it's trash that's sitting right outside the trash can, you can either say, well, that's whipped cream, or you say, well, that's trash, and it missed the trash can. You can be honest. That's what people do. See, they're either blunt or they try to be real nice about trash. They say, well, that's the prettiest trash. No, it's trash to trash. She was trash. The Bible says it bluntly. She was trash. In 1 Kings 21, 29, or 25, it says this. 21, 25, it says, but there were none compared to Ahab. Talking about Ahab, her husband. He was garbage. It says this. There's none compared to Ahab who sold himself to evil deeds. Ooh, boy, that's wicked. He got rid of everything in the land of Israel. This is what it says. He sold himself to evil deeds in the sight of the Lord. It's not alone. That's what it says. Which Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. So this is not to put it all on her. He did it himself. However, she was right behind him getting it all going on. She wanted him to do these evil things. And I'm going to tell you, women have power. But he did his own decisions, okay? He did it himself. So they were evil in the eyes of God. We didn't see in 2 Kings 9.10, what was to happen to Jezebel? So what happened to her? Did she get away with all this? She murdered so many people. Last week we talked about Elijah. We talked about what happened up on Mount Carmel. We talked about all that. What happened to her eventually? She was evil, killing people, killing the prophets. They had to hide away from her or they'd be killed. God wanted them to hide. Why did he want them to hide? So that later on he could bring the prophets back out. So they could do the work of God. Now, why did this happen? So that later on the people could come to know about the Lord God. That's why. So what happened to Jezebel? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Elijah told them that if they didn't get things right, God was going to kill them. He said, to Ahab and to Jezebel, if you don't get these things right, God's going to kill you. And whenever he told him that, Elijah and Elisha both told him that. When this happened, and he said this to him, he said, dogs will eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel, and no one will bury her. This was in Second uh, Kings 9.10. said, no one's going to bury her. He said, dogs are gonna, will eat Jezebel. Wow, what a thing to say to somebody. You're going to become... You're going to become uh, kibbles and bits. That's, a, that's one thing to say to somebody that you don't want to hear, that you're going to become dog food. Wow. I don't know about you, but I sure do hope that when I die, I'm not going to become Alpo. That's what I hope. But, but that's what they said. That's what they said to her. So anyway, she had a chance to change. Well, let me just tell you something. I'm not trying to justify Ahab whatsoever, but Ahab heard it. You know what Ahab did? He walked away from what he was doing. Ahab got right. I'm not saying he became a man of God. I'm not saying it all, but he walked away from what he was doing. He decided to walk right. However, Jezebel did not. So we see by the end, we see by the end of this chapter, the chapter nine, she did not change. She was thrown from the castle wall and crushed and splattered down the wall and trampled by horses. So much so that they found nothing of her except a skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. There was nothing left to bury. Nothing left to bury at all. Now, I'm only saying this to you to, to say that just exactly what God said was going to happen, happened. That's what happened. And then we see in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20 through 22, it speaks about the spirit of Jezebel. Now, they were speaking to a church in the book of Revelations, but what it was saying, they're saying not just to a church, but to the way of the world. And this is the way the world is now. And this is the point of the whole sermon. And that is this. There is a spirit of Jezebel in this world right now to women and men, 
all over the world, a spirit of Jezebel. And this is what they're talking about in the book of Revelation, a spirit of Jezebel. A spirit of Jezebel. And it says in Revelation chapter 2, 20 through 22, remember they're speaking to a church, a church that's completely against the Lord, but into their own way. It says, but I have found a few things against you. You permit that woman Jezebel, we're talking about a spirit of Jezebel, not the woman herself. You permit that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, but she did not repent. Look, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Folks, right now there's a spirit of Jezebel from here to Timbuktu. There are people even people who call themselves Christians, I'm not saying this about you, okay? Don't take this wrong. But there are people, even people who say they know the Lord God, who say they love the Lord God, who say they know everything about the Lord God, who are living in the spirit of Jezebel, living in sin, living in a prostitution-like manner, doing all sorts of things in the spirit of Jezebel, drinking till they cannot think, living in sexual immorality, doing all sorts of things in the spirit of Jezebel, living vilely, living like thieves, living in all sorts of sensuality, doing all sorts of sorceries, looking towards answers from everything except to, from the right way they should, which is the, from the word of God. This is why we have to be so, so very careful from which bookend we go to. We have to be very careful that we do not look to the other sides of the world, not to the ways of the lost, but to the ways of God. This is why when people a lot of times quote the Bible, I find it interesting. Sometimes they're quoting even lost people in the Bible. They're quoting things from the Bible that aren't even godly. Oh, wait, anything that comes from the Bible is of God. Well, not necessarily. If you're quoting Jezebel, if you're quoting Judas, if you're quoting Herod, if you're quoting people who aren't following God, that's not necessarily biblical. <laughs> Just because it's in the Bible, you got to make sure it's the biblical way. Scripture interprets Scripture. People a lot of times say they're of God, but they're not following godly ways. Now, I am not condemning anyone here, and I'm not condemning anyone out there unless we talk to them and realize what they're saying. So with that, with that, I could tell you all sorts of things that are ungodly. We could go to Romans 12, 2, which is do not be conformed to this world. Romans 12, 2, I say it a lot because it's very true. It says do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not to live with a Jezebel spirit or the ways of the world. We're not to do that. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. I've said it many times. Bad company corrupts good morals. Proverbs 24, 1 through 2, do not be envious against evil men, nor desire to be with them. But their heart studies destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. 
I could go on and on and on about the things of the world that many people seem to envy, and we shouldn't be that way. And I realize we're human. I realize that. But we got to be very careful not to study those things. I want to be like those. we got to be careful. It says in Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cleave to what is good. 1 John 2, 6, whoever says he remains in him, talking about Jesus, whoever says he remains in him ought to walk as he walked. Folks, I have to struggle with these things just like everybody else. My flesh goes against the spirit at times, and I have to say, no, 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 no. And I got to balance it out. You ever go to get up on a scale, and as you're up on the scale, and, and, and you guys aren't as big as me, and uh, I hold that against you. No, I'm kidding. But you ever go to get up on a scale, and I'm not the most balanced guy anyway. I'm not the most even. I, I go to get up on there on the scale, and for a second there, if you go to get unbalanced, and your weight makes it look like you lost 45 pounds in two seconds. And you're like, woo And then all of a sudden it gets back and, Ugh. If you're not balanced, and you're weighing more, and this is not a good thing, if you're weighing more on the ungodly side, all of a sudden it looks like you just gained 5,000 pounds of sin and ungodliness. Folks, if you find yourself suddenly off balance, it's because you're weighing a little more to the flesh. And as you can see, I got a lot of flesh to weigh against me. What I'm trying to tell you is this. In the spiritual sense, if you're weighing too much of the flesh against the scales of spirituality, you better get things balanced. Get rid of that flesh. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Make sure you have those bookends correctly. Instead of having one bookend of sin and worldliness and one of the spirit. Make sure they're both spiritual. Both balancing out your biblical study. Don't have one that doesn't balance the other. Don't have one Jezebel and one Mary. But pastor, I'm not married. Didn't say you were. I'm saying be spiritually balanced. That's what I'm saying. I want to read before we go. I want to read something to you. This takes a little bit of study, but we're going to do it. We're going to read 1 Peter chapter 4. The whole chapter, mm -hmm. it's not as long as you might think, but we want to look at it. We're going to take it a deep look. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, and this is pretty good. It'll cover everything. I'll take out the rest of the verses except for maybe two. It says, therefore, since Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, means a person, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so that he no longer should live like the rest of his time in the flesh, serving human desires. In other words, we're to no longer live in that sinful manner, no longer to be like the Jezebel spirit. We're no longer to be that way. Going on now, but the will of God, we're to be like the will of God, to follow the spirit. Verse 3, for in, 
earlier times of our lives, it may have uh, sufficed us to do what the Gentiles uh, like to do. That means the unsaved. When we walked in immorality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, debauchery, which means sensuality, and abnormal idolatries, that means uh, worshiping uh, idols, false gods, they are surprised that you do not join them in the same excess of wild living. And so they speak evil of you. They will give, they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Let me stop for a second here. He's speaking of, in this case, they are mad at you because you represent the Lord. Mad at you because you're saved. Mad at you because they're wanting you to suffer like they're suffering. They want you to live in a bad life. They're wanting you to suffer the way they suffer so that they don't feel guilty around you. That's why they hate you. Not because of you. Because of him. Because of Christ. So therefore, they want you to live like them so they don't feel guilty around you. That's why. That's why. So they speak evil of you. They want you to suffer. They will give an account to him, to the Lord, who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That means those who are alive with Christ and those who are uh, immortally dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. That means to those who do not know the Lord, so that even though they might be judged according to men in the flesh, that means the loss, they might live according to God in the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be solemn and sober. It means be serious. Solemn and sober so you can pray. Above all things, have unfailing love for one another because love covers a what? A multitude of sins. We should always show love to everyone. Don't be condemning. Don't be mean. Be loving. It goes on to say in verse 9, show hospitality to one another without complaining. I know that's hard to do. We got to do it without complaining. Number 10, as everyone has received a gift, even so serve one another with it. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone serves, let him serve with the strength that God supplies so that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It goes on to say, Beloved, now we already know it's to God be the glory, not us, but it goes on to say in verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you uh, to test you as, uh, as though some strange thing happened to you. You're being tested. We know that every single day you're being tested. But let's look and see why. It says in verse 13, But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, so that you may rejoice and be glad also in the revelation of his glory. If you are reproached because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Oh, man, I got to tell you, people, sometimes I want to only have the good times, the good times, and never go through the ordeal of being 
mocked and made fun of, but when we're being mocked and made fun of for Jesus Christ, it's a blessing. We have a hard time because we don't like to be mocked and made fun of. We don't like the people to make fun of us. We don't like the people to look at us at the bookends and say, well, oh, they're holding them out. Oh, and I know we're not to be mean. We're to be loving. Yes, that's true. But folks, they're making fun of you. The people of the world are making fun of you because they do feel the glory of Jesus Christ and they don't know how to handle it. So when people mock you for you being loving, that's a blessing, not a curse. But I know it's hard because sometimes when people say these things, we as human beings feel the pain as a human being. But as a spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should see it as a great blessing as Jesus saw it. When Jesus was being spit on and mocked, he knew it hurt. It hurt him. He didn't want to be kicked. He didn't want to be hurt. But it was a blessing, too, because he knew that it was the will of God. And every time he was kicked, there was some glorious prize, a glorious gift waiting in there is for you, too. And we need to remember that. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. Listen to what it says in verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or even as a busybody. He's saying, don't be like the world. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, I like this. He's, being, he's separating us. You hear that? Peter who knows all these things. He was there with Jesus. He's separating us. He says, don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, or even as a busybody, as a gossip. But don't be that way. He said, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God because of it. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. He says, and if it begins first with us, what shall the end be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So then let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. We have to put our trust in the Lord God. Yes, yes, yes. We have to put our trust in God. I'm looking at the world now, and I'm looking at a lot of people, and I get sad. I get very sad. I look at the youth. I get sad. I get sad because I see the bookends right now, and I know it sounds judgmental to say so, but it is what it is. I look at the youth right now, and I see the two bookends, and I hate to say what I'm about to say, I see so many more, even those who say they know the Lord Jesus, I see so many more on the Jezebel side than those who are going to the side of the Lord God. I see so many more who proudly hail the Jezebel torch. Who they, they, in fact, folks, i got to tell you the truth. As I was looking up stuff of Jezebel, there were people who were saying that Jezebel had some bad, but she had a lot of good too. Folks, they were proudly talking about Jezebel as if that she had strength because she had pride in herself. She had strength because she was proud of who she was. 
and proud of her sensuality and proud of her sexual ways and proud of the fact that she was proud of that she, she at least worshiped what she believed in. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I says, then you're saying that God is wrong and you're right, you dope you. The fact is, is folks, folks, the world, even talking about some saved people saying this. <sighs> so are you saying the people of the world see Jezebel as somewhat of a hero because she's a proud woman? Folks, we can't be this way. There's young people now who believe it's okay to be proud of doing sin. Oh, we can't be that way. Yes, it's difficult, but we have to turn away from the ways of sin 100%. That means we have to have a continuous fight against the old self continuously. Make sure that if we have a bookend that wants to keep us going back to the old ways, we take that bookend up, we throw it, boom! And we bust it into a million pieces. Throw it to the trash where it belongs. Pick up a new bit and put it there and say, Lord God, help me because I can't do it on my own. Make sure that we have two bookends that both look like Christ. Amen. Amen. And we're going to end with this. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It said, that's, that's James 4, 7, by the way. In fact, I want you to write this down. Write this down. You can write it James 4, 7, and in James 4, 17, they go together. Or you can even do it backwards. James 4, 17, James 4, 7. They go well good. In fact, I'll do it that way. James 4, 17, and then James 4, 7. Because I think they fit really well that way. But I think they go great together. James 4, 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. And then James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that powerful? Amen. But one last thing, one last thing before we go home. And that is this. Before you go home, too, I want to say this. If right now you're feeling the Lord God tap it on your shoulder and you're feeling guilty because maybe there's something that we have given into that we shouldn't have. You're not alone. I'm doing it too. I know there's things that the devil has tried to get me to do. I know there's times I've allowed my anger to take the better of me. I know there's times I've said things I shouldn't have said. And, and by that I mean, even if it's just a, a, an act of unkindness, uh, even if it's just been in my head, there's times I've allowed the flesh to get the better of me. You're not alone. Just, this is the time. We come forward here, a time that we allow ourselves to give ourselves over to God. We don't rush off home real fast. We wait until uh, this moment is done, until we're done praying. And the reason why we do that is so that we can come forward and pray and allow God to help us in that moment. It's okay to come forward. It's okay. No one's judging. The Lord God is helping us in that moment. It says, finally, brothers, whatever things are true, this is Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. And with that, let's now close in prayer. Lord God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, that you have brought us together today. 
I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that there be anyone here today who does not know you, or if anyone watching who doesn't know you, I pray this be the day that they will come forward to you. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has questions, who is questioning themselves, maybe there's things that make them feel bad. Maybe there are things, Lord God, that you're bringing to the, the surface. Things that's making them realize that they're allowing one side of them to outdo the other. Lord God, I pray this be the day that you will help them to get this balanced out. And Lord, I pray the same for me, that you will help me, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit will help these things be balanced out. And Lord God, as we know, there's always a battle. There's always the flesh versus the spirit. I pray, Lord God, for victory, not for myself, but for your victory over the old flesh, always. I pray, Lord God, we will allow you to win. In Jesus' most holy, precious name I pray. Amen and amen.